I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh for the life of the world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. In like manner, you can invite a friend to a celebration, but he will not necessarily eat the food you prepared. He may have eaten before arriving, or upon discovering the food is not to his liking, he immediately makes reservations for dinner elsewhere. We can easily make ourselves hungry by fasting and abstinence, but it is not as simple to choose what we hunger for. We don't always savor what is good for us, although it is possible with effort to acquire a taste for even bitter things. But can we acquire a taste for things supernatural? Today, Christ fed the multitude with bread. But if we finish the chapter of today's Gospel reading, we see Christ tactfully and dutifully revealing to the multitude another bread that descends from heaven, his own body and blood. But once they understood the nature of the bread he offered, or rather, once they realized he would not give them corporal food, they lost interest. And murmuring against our Lord, they immediately looked elsewhere for supper. They had no appetite for the Holy Eucharist, and Christ rebuked them for two reasons their excessive love of material goods and their lack of faith. Now, does Christ abandon such that have no desire for him? Is he able or willing to change such a heart? The truth is that he would have all from the most tepid sinners to the most devout Catholics to be enkindled with love for him, to desire nothing apart from him. Today, Christ, through his church, commands each and every one of the faithful to receive Holy Communion during Easter time. This is the fourth precept of the Church, and there are two conditions necessary for its fulfillment. 
First, that we receive worthily, that is, in the state of grace. Hence, if we have had the misfortune of falling into mortal sin, we are also required to make a good confession. Secondly, we must make such a communion during Easter time. In the beginning, this time period comprised only two weeks, from Palm Sunday to the first Sunday after Easter, Low Sunday. But today in the United States, it has been extended from the first Sunday of Lent until Trinity Sunday. This precept itself dates back to the Lateran Council in 1215. It was given due to the coldness of many as a way of leading the faithful by force to the living waters, even as the horse. It is the intention of Holy Mother the Church that we thereby acquire a taste for the Holy Eucharist. But if we search our hearts, perhaps we can find no longing for him, or not as great a one as he desires. It is for this reason that the Church chooses this time for making our yearly communion. Christ declared, If I be lifted up, I shall draw all things to myself. And in a few short weeks, on Good Friday, he will be. Did you know all of Christ's actions were performed for the whole church, and hence their efficacy is the same for us as for those living at the very time of Christ. We observe, therefore, much more than a mere historical remembrance in the sacred rites of Holy Week. Indeed, all of the love exhibited by our Lord Jesus Christ during this week, and all the graces he obtained, are renewed daily at Mass, and they are offered to each of us in the Holy Eucharist. How is it that many seldom attend Mass, still less receive? And even we who do frequent these have not yet loved Christ with our whole heart. Towards the end of the Gospel of today, Christ says, No one can come to me unless he be drawn by the Father. How are we drawn by the Father? by a special and free gift of grace. How do we 
obtain this grace. We must first make room in our hearts by getting rid of stuff. This we do by contrition for sin, fasting, almsgiving, and all of the recommended Lenten practices. The second thing we must do is humbly pray to be drawn. With humility, because we recognize we have not loved him as he desires, yet with confidence in God's unfailing love for us. The best time for such a prayer as this is early in the morning before starting your day or in the evening, at home or especially at church, before and after ceremonies or even during the Mass itself. And by prayer, I don't mean so much vocal prayer as you can find in diverse formulas, but rather sitting before a crucifix or image and quietly and carefully reading the accounts of the Passion given in the Gospels or in other devotional books, or by making the Stations of the Cross, while saying to our Mother of Sorrows, as the Church sings in the Stabat Mater, make me feel as thou hast felt, make my heart to glow and melt with the love of Christ my Lord. We may even consider the passion as it pierced her heart. For Christ himself, as he was dying on the cross, told us to look at his mother. She will teach us to love Christ's passion if we compassionate her. And the more we appreciate the passion, the more we will love the Holy Eucharist, which is the living memorial of the same. And finally, provided we are in the state of grace and observe the laws of the communion fast, we should receive Holy Communion itself often, even every day. For the chief effect of this sacrament is to unite us to Christ by love. And the sacraments were instituted as a remedy for sin. It is a greater thing in itself, a greater proof of Christ's intimate love for us, that he should come to us in Holy Communion than if he were to place himself as a child in our arms. Let us therefore approach him with humility and confidence. If perhaps you cannot receive him every day, 
make at least a spiritual communion. You can do this in a brief moment by thinking of him in the Blessed Sacrament and asking him to come to you. If we do this, we shall acquire a taste for the heavenly bread and will make our reservations in heaven. May God bless you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.